This is Podcast of the Dead, the podcast about all things horror-related. I'm Zach Palmer. Sitting next to me is Isaac Wright. I can't eat candy, but I love Satan. Okay. Uh, (laughs) And joining us from the void, as always, is Chrissy Beetle. Happy, happy Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. This is all stuck in your head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After, you, after you finish listening to this episode, this yep. fucking song will be stuck way in your head, and you'll be very upset about it. But you know that's the way it goes. Um, so this is first of all, how was everybody's week? Uh, it's it's uh, work. It just started. So... This is Monday. Don't no, ask I'm me talking that about last week. Oh, work the... is so close to being done. I'm so oh, happy. My... All my bowel movements are liquid, and I just want to die. It's okay. It's been one of the worst weeks I've had in a long time, so I totally understand. I'm using just all my bowel movements are liquid, and I want to die as a song title. Thank you, Isaac. You're welcome. It is a public domain. Hell yeah. So this is going to be a a different episode, and it's kind of going to start us down a path that we will continue from here on out. Uh, This is going to be one of our first ever episodes that has a script uh, and that has a very solid outline compared to what we normally do, which is kind of like just a basic, like, this point, this point, this point type thing. Uh, So I think it's going to be a lot better from here on out just because we're going to have more concise thoughts on things. And uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to this. I'm still calling this movie Low Rent Tom Selleck and his shitty Blade Runner adventure. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, that's what it is, really. Tom but, uh, Atkins you know. is a treasure to the horror genre. Okay. You leave him alone. I- <laughs> I, will, I will say Stacy Nelkin is a state Stacy Nelkin, right? Is uh one of the most beautiful women of all time. I just I just want to say that. I know, I'm not disagreeing or, or agreeing. I just have different opinions, so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh so let's begin. Podcast of the Dead. Almost 5,000 years ago, the first blue stones of the monolith now known as Stonehenge were raised. Only the original creators and those that have passed down through stories and instructions of its original use know what the purpose of Stonehenge was. Over the years, many theories both to its construction and purpose have been given. One of the earliest known theories on its construction is that the famous wizard of Arthurian legend Merlin used a giant to help him build the monument as a burial place for Aurelius Ambrosius, the king of Longris. From that point on, theories run abound. 
suggesting that the monument was everything from a timekeeping tool to a sacrificial location for Druidic priests, even though the dating of the monument would predate the existence of the Druidic priesthood. Today, it's largely believed that the site was a burial ground and location for animal sacrifices by Neolithic peoples. Which is a bit of a buzzkill, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, how this relates to Halloween 3 is kind of annoying, because you mentioned it a second ago, in that, okay, so they're saying that they're part of a druidic priesthood that created this for ritual sacrifice, and yes. they did this every, like, 100 years, 300 years, or whatever. Yeah. Rivers run red with the bodies of, ch or the blood of children and animals. But you said that the druids didn't actually even exist at the point in time in which... Stonehenge has been kind of dated. Correct. Yes. And I don't remember, Chrissy, do you remember how they know when Stonehenge is eaten from? Because it's stone. You can't carbon date that. Uh, no, I have no clue, to be honest. It's okay. just no one in England <laughs> does. It's just there. It just it exists. It creates a lot of tourist money. It was, uh, it's actually been dated not from the stones, but from the bones there. Yes. Oh, is that what it yeah. is? The bones that were found at Stonehenge have been dated to uh, about 5,000 years ago, about 3,000 BC, roughly. And when is our current like knowledge of Druids supposed to have happened? Uh, about 300 BC. That's about when when Dru the Druidic priesthood came into uh, existence, as far as we know. Okay, so yeah. this movie's full of shit. By <laughs> I, mean, I want to know how no. they got that piece of Stonehenge there. Like, I know that was where. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm about to I'm about to blow your mind with that. I know how that happened. But <laughs> <laughs> No, go on. Lay it on me. Go on. on. We're talking about Stonehenge. Come on. Now you, you you all know me. I'm just a I'm just a laid back country watcher of ancient <laughs> aliens. <laughs> I'm just an old peanut farmer. <laughs> um and I mean I for whatever reason that show speaks to me on a level that it shouldn't being being a mildly intelligent person but at the same time uh no one really knows how all those stones got there and in a lot of megalithic sites on the planet there are actual you know mythologies of seeing the stones levitate and stuff like that mm -hmm. as if you know by some sort of extraterrestrial technology and <laughs> um I'm, like I said I'm not I am a super big proponent of that show, not necessarily the ancient astronaut theory, but <laughs> it does fascinate me of how yet, in the movie, they don't explain how they got the rock there. They're like, you would be fascinated by the way we got the rock here. And then they don't tell you because they couldn't figure out how you would fly a stone across the Atlantic. So... So not to be like a huge like like theory squashing nerd, uh, <laughs> but one of the leading theories is that they used logs like logs and rolled them across logs. The clo closest like bluestone like quarry was like about two hundred miles away. Mm -hmm. So they think that they used uh, stones in conjunction with these little stone balls that were uh, created as bearings, which they are, have found at the site, mm -hmm. uh, and that's how they they determined that they probably the thing that actually took the longest time they think was actually creating the. The, the like notches to put the stones on top of each other because there's like these square like notches mm -hmm. or a type of joint yeah. to put them on top of each other. And that's what they think took the And they don't know how uh, yeah. ancient people did that with the tools they had available. Correct. And you see that in a lot of megalithic and ancient structures in the ancient world. They're really nice um, right angles cut into the stone that even modern stonemasons say it would take tons of modern machinery in order to make these precise cuts. And so that's one of those things that people don't understand how ancient people did. Ghosts did it. True. <laughs> but no, what I'm always fascinated by, especially in the case of Stonehenge or in the case of 
Oh, the the giant heads. Um, oh, the Easter, oh, Easter Island. Yeah, in, in Easter Island. Yeah. How did they get them upright? That's one thing that no one really ever, that I never understood. Or how did they get, lift the stones in Stonehenge to sit on top of the other stones? A wooden, they, uh, it was a wooden A-frame, largely, is the theory. Is it? Um, and just yeah. hundreds of uh-huh. people pulling at once? Because mm-hmm. it's so much weight. Yes. And, um, but I mean the pyramids, you know. Yeah. Well, and I do remember seeing a thing a long time ago. I can't cite it. I do know that for the pyramids themselves, they said that the 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 big limestone blocks on wooden rollers probably wouldn't have worked. I think in that sense, though, it was because of the distance that they had to take the limestone yes. from the closest limestone quarry to the pyramids. Yeah. It was so far away that it just wasn't wasn't feasible. Yeah. So this there. That's the one big thing that's still a mystery, but even, like like I said, the big mystery in this movie is how the fuck do you fly a megalithic stone? That, <laughs> yeah, that easy. Couldn't... Okay, go for it. It's, it's easy. You pay people to be silent about it. Oh, yeah, we just nicked a thing. <laughs> and pay you off, you didn't see it. Oh, oh but how did it... How, mm. <laughs> How did it get across the ocean, Chrissy? Planes. Fine. <laughs> um, so, after the release of Halloween 2 in 1981, and the seemingly definitive ending that that film presented, uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill conceived the idea that from here on, the Halloween film franchise should continue as an anthology series, following various stories that happen on or around Halloween which I think is a great idea. Uh, thus, the idea for Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, came into view. Hill and Carpenter even went as far as including the original Halloween film in the new film as a fictional property, making it clear that this new film was a separate entity entirely. They wanted to do that before Halloween 2, but the studio made them make Halloween 2. Really? Yeah. Well, just cause, see, and that's what I never, was it just because of how marketable Myers was? How cool yeah. of, of a baddie he turned out yeah. to be? Because I never understood that. He's so milk toast and, and pale, and he doesn't eat his vegetables, and I don't like him. <laughs> I don't understand why he became so popular that... Because people find things to exploit, like studios, and they're like, hey, this yeah. masked killer... He's a he's a popular lad, and yeah. Then they made Halloween three. Everyone was like, "What?" And then Studio were like, "No, stop this." So <laughs> when did um so how Halloween two came out? What year? Nineteen eighty one. Oh, did we just say that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nineteen eighty one. And in reference to the other big slashers, let's see. We're talking <laughs> same time period. Halloween two or not? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I, I don't remember uh, dates off the top of my head. Friday the 13th Part 2, I think, was 81. Same one? I think it was either mm. 81 or 82. So they're still in the mindset of... They're, so they want to compete. Mm. And then they make that one. Yeah. But then they get sold on the idea of an anthology. Which, like, I'm like you. I like the idea of an anthology. And modern times have shown that anthologies are profitable. You know what I mean? At least in, in TV series form, I think, is where we see it more. You got, like, American Horror Story and Penny Dreadful... And stuff like that, which is not just one running narrative, but it's a lot of different little stories combined together. That's kind of made a resurgence. But I think at this time, people don't really, I guess, didn't really want that. I think they wanted to see kind of the the same old thing. and That or they wanted to see a continuous story. Oh, yeah, or yeah. a continuous story. Yeah, I think so. that, that's probably what it was. I mean, yeah, we saw the, the TV th- series, like, Friday the 13th had a TV series that was roughly... But based on the series, kind of, sort of. Yeah. Yes. 
Very, um, very loosely. Very loosely. <laughs> uh, and that was not very popular. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but yeah, you know. Um, side note, sidetrack. I just want to sidetrack for just a second to talk about... Uh, I don't know why we didn't talk about this when we talked about Halloween... Or it seems like not a lot of people talk about him at all when they talk about Halloween for whatever reason. Uh, but Mustafa Akkad, uh, he was like from, there from the beginning as a producer. Mm-hmm. He's um, a good lad. No, he's uh, not their director of three though. He, I think he's he, not. He's a yeah. pro- no, it's, principal. It's, it's, Tommy Lee Wallace is, is yeah. the uh, is the director, but he is uh, a producer on pretty much every Halloween film ever. Um, That's crazy. And we don't seem to see much about him, and I'm not sure why. Maybe he just doesn't. I don't know. I'm yeah, that's sure strange. Why. I mean, he might just... I don't, I don't know enough about him to say anything about it, because it might just be he's one of Carpenter's friends, you know what I mean? That uh, believes in the stories and and the music behind Halloween. Because, to, to be honest, I feel like the story and the music are what make Halloween what it is. So Yeah. And so I think he might just really dig that <laughs> more than anything else. Because yeah. if he's on every one, you got to see something there that you really like. Yeah. And I like that if that was the case, he, he was on one and two... That he, just like Deborah Hill and John Carpenter and everyone else that worked on 3, were big enough on the idea of making 3 a thing, despite the fact that it might be less profitable. Halloween 3 is my favorite in the series. I would have preferred anthologies rather than, well, we all know how those sequels went. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that's what I'm saying. See, today, I think anthologies are a lot more, like palatable for audiences for whatever reason because and it might just be because of the way the internet has got us to keep like kind of wanting a new thing that we we get a little like more bored easily you know what i mean oh yeah yeah. and um so they're always throwing something new at us to keep our attention span and even really good running series barely ever get like a second season because they're worried our the audience retention won't stay up past that second season. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like anthologies are way more marketable now than they were back before hev- heavy days of the internet and stuff like that. I would tend to agree. So yeah. um, it just kind of sucks that anthologies didn't catch on right then because yeah. Halloween would have been perfect. And obviously they were pretty f- forward thinking when they why, had the idea to do it. Why an did they listen to Carpenter? Because the studio <laughs> literally didn't listen to him. And they were like, yep, no. But here's a theory. Here, here's a theory. I know, and it's it, this last one was too marketable for this to happen. But old Mike, he kind of dies in, tw- in the 2018 one. Sort of. Maybe, maybe, maybe New no. Halloween will be an anthology. Fingers crossed. No. I know it won't happen. No. But shut up. Don't piss no. on my dreams. No. I am whizzing <laughs> all over I your dreams. You so uh, yeah, there's... Blumhouse literally wants to, like, fuck your dreams. I mean, technically, he dies in two. Like, in two, that was his death. He was not meant to exist anymore. It was supposed to be a pretty definitive ending. They pissed all over that. Yeah, like I said, it's supposed to be a pretty definitive ending, and... uh, I mean, yeah, they're they're like, okay, we just need. How to... do you survive that? You're supernatural, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so he's not Jason. Yeah, that's what I never understood about Mike. Is yeah. that, like he's not supernatural. He's why not. Do, you're right. Why do they give him the powers to come back from the yeah, dead they, and the powers they... to be like so, he he almost has Jason's teleporting, but not. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he, it... at least like. Colonel Corcoran has some sort of supernatural element to him as right, a villain. Yeah, he's yeah he's got sort of like this weird magical aura, and he's a wizard. He's got to be a wizard. He's a 
He's a, he's, he's a, druid. a wizard. Yeah, he definitely I, is. That, he has the ability to. The, the interesting thing about Halloween Three is, and we talk about this. We're going to talk about this a lot later. Is mm-hmm. but the melding of technology and magic. Yeah. And so basically, Colonel Cochran is awesome in the fact that he is the 20th century magician. He has the ability to. God, what's the word? Just like tap into magic through technology. To meld the two. Yeah, through well. through yeah. circuit boards and computers and radio waves, he's able to create snakes and <laughs> and Sawain and Which darkness are... on the earth for thousands of days. Like he's able to merge those two together in a way that people on Reddit would only like cream their pants over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's been touched on in like tons of like other anthology series as well as like the idea of magic and technologies being oh i'm sure it has i i don't know enough about enough anthologies to say one way or the other but yeah fuck fuck the story (laughs) that's all i have to say on that all i have to say is conan cochran is a big fucking nerd yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the yeah. the other thing that's interesting about this is it gives you like like I I made that Blade Runner jab earlier, but this uh, this also brings up the whole AI stuff and like what makes yeah. a person real and stuff like yeah. that in the weirdest fucking possible way because you don't have to confront that till the very end of the movie. Up until that point, you're just like that guy sneezed, but he's a robot. <laughs> 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 Up until that point, they're just like, yeah, they're just kind of lifeless and they're fine setting themselves yeah. on fire. But then it does have the same kind of AI, what, what makes a person real, what makes a person not real. Yeah. So that's the, I think that's the strength of an anthology, is being able it, to meld a lot of different themes together in yeah. one cohesive piece. I think, it, I think it touches on what makes a human human, what makes an android yeah. an android. I think it touches on that, like it glances on it, but I don't think it really like goes in depth. It's just like, yeah, they sneeze. It strokes, They're real. <laughs> it, it strokes the concept's mustache lightly in the middle of the yeah. night. <laughs> yeah, it's. Anyone yeah. want a fun fact? Yes, please. Yep. One of the androids was the guy who was the stunt double and in the suit for Michael Myers in Halloween 2. Really? And his name is Dick Warlock. Nice. Hell yeah. Why wasn't he the main character? Like, not even a character named Dick Warlock. He just walks in, I'm Dick Warlock, guys. I made all this possible. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the android that is able to rip someone's head off. Oh, I love oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy's okay. amazing. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a good one. That's, that's my favorite. That's sweet. It's my favorite yeah. android. Yeah. <laughs> Head ripping. Good bit of anthology. <laughs> A good bit of anthology, you know, anthology link there, because he was in one of them, and he died as one, and came back as a fucking android. Did he change his name for the the fucking no, story no. about witches and shit? No, I'm Dick Warlock. Name, <laughs> his name is Richard Warlock. Oh my god. But everyone calls him Dick. <laughs> I would just call him Dicky Manwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, my Manwich. <laughs> oh, oh man. man. <laughs> so let's uh let's talk about what this is about, this fucking movie. Let's let's this this synopsis is gonna be a little long and I apologize 
but it's got a you got a lot of coverage. And in it's it. still more interesting things. than Halloween. It is definitely more interesting than the first Halloween. <laughs> and it is about things. <laughs> it is about things. So the story of Halloween three is equal parts convoluted and interesting, including intrigue, horror, and well. Androids, as we talked about <laughs> in varying degrees. Uh, it has a marked difference in tone and approach from the other films in the franchise. Uh, it opens with the mysterious death of Harry Grimbridge. Stupid <laughs> fucking name. Such a um, name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the doctor that was attending him, Dr. Dan Chalice, meets Harry's daughter, Ellie, in the aftermath of Harry's death. Uh, Dan tells her about the mask that Harry came in with, which then leads him to the Silver Shamrock Novelties Company. And the shit hits the fan from there, pretty much. Uh, the town that Silver Shamrock is in, Santa Mira, thrives mostly on the work that the company provides. While in Santa Mira, Dan and Ellie find evidence that Harry stayed in the same motel as him. They also fuck. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they do. That's a, really uncomfortable and weird. It's weird. It's a weird scene. It gets more uncomfortable at the end. Oh, we'll yeah. talk about it. But. <laughs> <laughs> After a short incident with a fellow uh, motel inhabitant, uh, Marge, they meet Kono Cochran, the owner of Silver Shamrock Novelties. The next day, during a tour of Silver Shamrock Factory, uh, they find Harry's car which is inaccessible due to factory officials guarding it. Uh, after this, Ellie is kidnapped, and Dan is captured by men working uh, for Silver Shamrock, which are revealed to be androids, of course, uh, created by the company's owner, Colonel Cochran. Cochran then uh, does the typical bad guy thing of revealing his evil plan uh, to the hero and tells Dan that he plans to use the company's popular masks as a way to sacrifice children and bring about a new age of witchcraft. He melts the kid's head in the process into snakes. Yeah. It's great. It's uh, the best part. Also I'm, whole I'm here for it after dealing with so many shitty children today. I'm here for it. Yeah. And that, and that whole that whole scene uh, that he has, like, Dan tied up, both Isaac and I are like, that's a fucking Bond villain thing. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, the whole witchcraft thing hints the subtitle of the film being... Season of the Witch makes sense. Uh, the masks have a medallion on the back, which contain a small piece of Stonehenge in them, uh, which, when given the proper signal, kill the wearer with a stream of bugs and snakes writhing <laughs> out of their head. He demonstrates this on a poor, unsuspecting family, family the Koofers. Koofers? Koofers? I think it's Koofers. I never know how to say I think it. it's cut for... And that whole scene is fucking brutal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this signal will be broadcast to all of the children through a commercial under the guise of being the precursor to a giveaway, which has been uh, being advertised the whole film with the oh-so-catchy Silver Shamrock jingle. As of the day that we're recording this, in the UK anyway, it's one of the first times you hear it, they say eight more days till Halloween, and this is literally eight more days till Halloween right now. Oh, nice. Awesome. Hell yeah. Okay. This eight is very timely. Halloween, yeah. Halloween, Halloween, eight more days till Halloween, buy this stupid shit. But okay, so, <laughs> I love this plot, not only, like I said, not only just because it's not... The original Halloween's plot. Oh, I thought you were about to say because it's not Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, there's a lot of things that work in this. Because, I mean, it, everything about it gives you a pretty 
eerie time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even as you were talking about it, you mentioned the fact that the uh, Silver Shamrock owns the whole town. Yes. And I hadn't thought about it until now. Yeah. You know, that company towns exist, you know what I mean? Yeah. And in this, they do a really good job of portraying that. But in the wor- in like the most weird, isolating way, and I had forgotten about that, that they're all looking at them as they come in. It's like a western when they all walk, come into town yes. and everybody's just looking at them. Well, it's a sundown town. Yeah, and yeah. then, uh-huh. oh God. <laughs> yeah. And then um, they have a curfew with like loudspeakers and, and cameras everywhere, which I know Fuck I know that. in Britain, you're probably accustomed to cameras being everywhere, but we're not really, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we go cameras so, everywhere. Yeah, see, we Fuck really that. don't. We just have ones that look at our red lights. That's it. <laughs> And then you can just ignore that ticket anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah. that's an aspect I really like upon kind of reflection. And then, yeah, you have the androids, which are done in a in a pretty creepy way because they're totally emotionless unless they're ripping somebody the nose or the bridge of somebody's nose out. It's it's great. And then, um, I don't know the. It gets kind of goofy in the end, though, because I think the oh. whole witchcraft and Stonehenge thing is kind of goofy, and it's and it builds up with such like really really good pacing and really really good like scary effects and stuff. Because I love when Mrs. Gutman gets her fucking head blown off. Oh hell yeah! I love yeah. that shit. There's so many good scenes, and it creeps up. This mystery just creeps in. You want to know what's going on, and then they reveal it, and you're just like. Huh? <laughs> I, I, That's I, I literally how I feel. Love the, I see, I kind of love like the goofy aspect of the of the of the witchcraft and Stonehenge stuff because it's so ridiculous. Me too. I actually really enjoy it. I think the bigger problem I have with it is not the content, but the pacing. Yeah, oh yeah, the pacing. I think the, I think the pacing's really strange because the ending seems rushed to me, don't you think? Like, it seems like it's all kind of crammed in at the end, yeah. and like, there's a lot of good intrigue. Like, I feel like if the movie was, like, maybe 20 minutes longer, it would have been really good. Like, I think it would have done really well. Scene. Yes, yeah. they definitely could have. Yeah. That, that's one part that I find weird. I do think it, it raises questions at the end, because, um, one thing we didn't mention in the synopsis, and spoilers for a movie that half, half people don't even know that exists. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> most people don't know exist Halloween 3. So, <laughs> or at least that it's at least watchable. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you you find out at the end that Ellie is actually an android, uh-huh. and um, the implication, I guess, is that she's been an android the whole time. And I guess what my theory was, they knew that the father had alerted someone, and they sent Ellie there to root out anyone who had questions, bring them back to the factory, and deal with them. Right. That's the only thing I can realize. It's Yes, it's either that or she was only an android from the point that she was taken yeah, and she was killed. Right. Yeah. That's so the I don't know I which I believe. Is the See, one I, that she was take when she was taken she became the android. Watching it again cuz she doesn't really I don't know, she seems weird throughout. If you watch it and you're just like looking at her and trying to determine whether or not She's sincere or not? It's hard to tell. Because, yeah, why do you go on this fuck trip with this guy you don't know <laughs> when you're looking for your dead father? You know, or looking for the who killed your dead father? Yeah, that always, seems weird. I always felt like it was like a way to entice him to, to yeah. come because he was a witness of that weird thing. So they were just trying to entice him to come to the the, the town so they could kill him. Mm-hmm. Is so what I always That thought. was my theory. Mm. Yeah. And so, I don't know. But, um, shit, where was I going with this? <laughs> I don't know. Where were you going with that? But okay, but <laughs> it being rushed at the end. So from the point that the kid dies, 
that's when the pacing is supposed to get a little faster. Yeah. And I think they succeed at that. Mm -hmm. And then he rescues her and everything starts going a little too easy for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it feels rushed in the sense that he's running around. He's doing his stuff. You know what I mean? And Cochran doesn't even seem to care at the end. He gives him the little clap. Gives him his little golf clap. <laughs> even though most of it, he disappears in the stupidest effect in the movie. Um, <laughs> and all of it. <laughs> I thought he was a pillar of salt until he just dissipated out of existence. And I'm just like, oh, okay. He but anyway. Oh, is that what it is? No. But oh. <laughs> That's just what you want to believe, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, it is rushed. He's trying to figure out what to do. He's trying to save Ellie. He's doing all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. And then it doesn't... I feel like the pacing doesn't get right again until Ellie attacks him in the car. That's my, mm. that's how I feel, because then when Ellie attacks him, that's when the dread is back, and then I love the scene at the end when he's calling the, the, the TV stations trying to get the... Commercial oh, taken off the that's air. A, that's a good scene, yeah. yes. They, he takes one off the air. He's like, oh, okay. He takes two off the air. Oh, okay, that's cool. Then the three, the third one doesn't go off the air, and that's kind of where it cuts, is just the pumpkin playing, and you know that some kids' heads are going to get wrecked. Yeah, they're yeah. fucked. Those kids <laughs> so, are fucked. So I agree with you to a certain degree about the pacing, but I think it might have been intentional. Because I feel like there might have been a little bit of a rush thing there going on, trying to distance you from the fact that Ellie is a cyborg, or Ellie's an android, trying to make you not think about it, trying to make you think that he's one, that it's like the mad dash at the end of every Bond movie when he's escaping from the underground mm -hmm. lair, and then there's a big explosion behind him, and everybody has sex on a boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that's there. how they want... <laughs> That's how they wanted you to feel, and then it does a quick whiplash at the end and brings it back around to be scary again. So, I don't know. I could see why you say it's rushed, but I'm also thinking that might have been by design. I don't know. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's probably something to that. I, I get what you're saying yeah. with that. And I, I feel like I like the ending a lot because it is very much like an anthology ending. It's like... It, like a good anthology ending, if you're going to do like a story like this, like a horror movie, like ending in like the apocalypse, essentially, mm -hmm. is like yeah. a good way to do it. I think that's a good way. Like have like a very like, OK, everything's fucked ending. I like that. You know what it feels like? Goes back to like what you could call the king of 90s anthologies, which is Goosebumps. Oh. Feels like the end of a Goosebumps oh, book. Yeah. It's really ambiguous yeah. as well, like because I mean, you don't know. He could magically get get it off the air in time. But yeah. it's ambiguous if he does, <laughs> and I like to believe True. that he doesn't. Because yeah, me too. I yeah. fuck them kids. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you just wanted uh, a thousand years of darkness with Sawin reigning over all of us. No, that's like Ghostbusters episode. That's what I want for <laughs> Sawin. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's that, that's what I meant. I thought that's what you wanted. I, I'm sorry to do this, but I I try. I'm gonna try not to take out of context. You saying I'm, uh, fuck those kids. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I'm gonna try not to edit that into you saying I fuck those kids. <laughs> once their once their once their heads are snakes, they're fair game. They're back in play. <laughs> oh fuck off! Fuck off! Man, that fucking scene really fucked me up when I saw it the first time as as a youngling. Really, a youngling. Yeah. Did, when did you see this movie? Oh, first time I saw it was 
uh, most of the horror movies that I saw were either 12 or 13. So mm-hmm. I think I saw it at 13. Yeah. I saw this movie like two years ago. Yeah. At that, if that, maybe yeah. one year ago. <laughs> no, I, I saw this for the, for the first time when I was 13. I remember I was eating cold Little Caesars pizza. Um, <laughs> not not dissimilar to the, to the last time you watched it. True. Very true. That was about the same way that I ate it. I, I, I experienced it the most recent time. The same way. Time, the, yes. the most pure possible most way. Most yes. way. Yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking about that too while I was watching it. I was just like, I am also eating cold little Caesar's pizza <laughs> while watching this, just like the first time I saw it. Um, yeah, I I, I uh, recorded it on demand. It was on HBO or something, and um, and then I watched it. I DVR'd it, um, which is how I also watched the thing for the first time. Uh, but yeah, I just DVR'd it, and I was just like, hey. I'm gonna watch this, and I really enjoyed it. And I was really confused that Michael Myers wasn't in it. And I yeah, realized, that like, was what the, the fuck same. is happening. That was the same because I watched it right after watching Halloween two. I did like a Halloween one, two, three, and four, just like block when I was about fifteen, and it was like, where's Michael Myers? What the fuck is this? Yeah, it's a little bit off uh, off putting maybe if you really like Michael Myers, but I mean, once you realize that it's actually better than the first Halloween. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> like revisiting it like a couple of years later. Change my mind. Yeah. Uh so let's talk about characters. We we've talked about the characters a little bit up to this point, but I think it's it's interesting to kind of deep dive into the characters and kind of maybe Try. I mean, I think the theories about Ellie are really interesting. Like maybe getting deeper into that would be would be an interesting conversation. Mm. Uh, just because Ellie is like, yeah, you're not sure if she's an android the whole time or not. Like, how the fuck do you tell that? I mean, because yeah, I, when I rewatched it, I think when I first watched it, obviously I didn't have that theory, and I think that theory probably, I think I got that theory from the second time watching it. But watching it, she's definitely. She's definitely aloof. Yeah, that sex scene is kind of out of nowhere, and I don't understand. She even has the line, he's like, aren't you tired at all? And she's not even or something. You know what I mean? And it's just like, that's... And I know that's like a sexy thing to say, that, you know, it's a movie thing to say. I've been there. I've been there. I I get it. You know, I get it. It's fine. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't know, it might have been a cue. It might have been trying to say that she's not human or something. I don't know. Um, what are the things kind of like? I mean, he is also, he is also a drunk. His dick no work. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, but I don't know. But whiskey, is, d- whiskey dick affects uh, not everybody. I would say, <laughs> but, uh, but like, it's I a large would Dan, by the fact he has an ex-wife, I would assume that whiskey dick affects him. <laughs> <laughs> Zach and I both just looked at each other when you said ex-wife, and we're just like, hmm. <laughs> About what? I, I mean, we were looked at each other, but I wasn't entirely sure about what. <laughs> Wait, didn't you, I thought you called him an ex-wife. No, 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 no. He has an ex-wife. Oh, I thought you called him the ex-wife. No. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm just like, yeah, I mean, he's, he, uh, he's not the greatest, so we can shit all over him if we want, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, he has an ex-wife. Yeah, so okay, got gotcha. Yes, uh, implying that the ex-wife left him because of the whiskey dick. Oh, okay. I, <laughs> I missed it. I'm but drinking probably beer, because so. of, Well, probably because of the excessive drinking more than, yeah, more than likely. Yeah. Well, also but, maybe um, the whiskey yeah. dick. <laughs> but Ellie... Okay, let, let, let's, let's examine her character from the idea that she's not an android all the way through. That she just becomes an android and is killed after she's captured. So what do we think about Ellie? 
Because that's the purest interpretation of her character, that she's doing all of this to look for her father that goes missing. Right. She, she, well, she's okay. She's, she's a character that I remember being there. Highest accolades you can give to any character. character, but she is a great character. You know. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean she's like a good like motivation for the story to move forward because like all of the, I guess like like because she's the one who finds Harry's car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for instance, so she's kind of the one pushing everything along. Early on, she's the detective character, too. Right. And a yeah. lot of these kind of mystery-style horror, like we saw in Scream, like you see in The Changeling, for instance, you always have the person who's out there digging for answers. You get that from her very early on in the story, because she even says, well, I did some detective work, and goes right. through all of the, you know, he missed this shit, or he went to get this shipment, but then he missed this, and he missed this. Yeah. So somewhere between here and Santa Mira is when he went missing. Mm. Right. So so she, yeah, she, she does drive the story forward forward and like i said if we take it from the sense that she wasn't an android the whole time then i mean yeah her character is really good and pure in that she's looking for her father and she's trying to find out what happened and she i guess the only reason she latches on to his name is dan yeah dan okay dan chavis (laughs) the only reason i think she latches on to dan is i guess they have that moment where they look at each other in the hospital hallway and she can see that he's visibly shook by that one dude lighting himself on fire in the parking lot. Yeah. And 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 that's really cool. And I mean I love because Dan does feel pretty uh authentic in that moment too. Is that about, not a normal like, thing that happens? I see people <laughs> get set on fire all the time. Yeah. It's 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 a daily thing for me. Oh yeah, me. self-immolation is my king. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, I mean I think that it, for the character that he is, for him to portray it the way that he does, I think, feels really authentic. Because he brushes it off, then he goes back to thinking about it, then he brushes it off, and he goes back to thinking about it, then he has sex, and then he goes to get a drink, <laughs> yeah. and then he comes back and he thinks Here's... about it some more. Like, he kind of sucks, but he's coming from a good place. I I kind of agree with you. I do. I really do think that at the beginning he's just trying to get the puss. Oh, he's but... so he is so trying to get the yeah. redeem. See, but, see, I don't think he is at the beginning, though. Like, when he grabs her in the bar and he's like, I want to know what the fuck is going on, that's genuine. But then it, at some point, it does click back. When he grabs the whole six-pack yeah, off the roof of the car and is like, I'm going to go on holiday with this girl I just met. Yeah. That is totally, that is a... Uh, like, oh, he literally gosh. blows off seeing his kids to, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> go, go have he's a He's investigating a murder. <laughs> with beer. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious, and I'm just like, God, that's how I would investigate a murder. <laughs> um, I don't know. See, here's the thing, is fine, Tom Adkins, fine, whatever, but some of his reads are not great. Like, go back and watch it again. Like, some of his read, the l- reading of some of the lines that he has are not really that good and convincing, and I think that's part of, like, why I don't really believe Dan as a character. Uh, but I think, like, so I, I do think that, yes, that he does get more serious and a better character as the story progresses, because he's like, oh, shit, I haven't drank in a while, I'm sober, and now I realize all these bad things are happening. Uh, and, and, and now I'm realizing maybe I should have been uh, paying more attention <laughs> um, is the way I feel. The only one it. that really takes me out of it for him 
You know when they have him and the two androids have him by the shoulders? He looks so disinterested. He looks so dumb. <laughs> like if you Yeah, you yeah. look at okay, we went back to Bond already. This is kind of a Bond like storyline, strangely really enough, is. for Halloween. <laughs> but you go to Bond or you go to any big hero that is captured by two goons and put before Goldfinger, put before the main bad guy, they're struggling like a motherfucker to try to get out of that hole. You know what I mean? They're like visibly like pissed off. Or they're like you can see in their eyes they just fucking hate the guy. Yeah. And they're trying they're plotting his death. They're just piercing him with his laser eyes. <laughs> this guy's just like, uh, uh, I can't get away. <laughs> tell me tell me more about your weird your weird rock fetish scheme that's going to kill children. It's fine. I, I don't care. <laughs> I've got a brand new 1979 Tercel sitting in my driveway. What do you have? I love it. I love it. I love it. Shit, you made me forget what I was gonna say. <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, no, the the plot of this, and I know we already talked about the synopsis, but with you saying that, it actually does feel a lot like a Bond film if it were a horror movie. Yeah, like it really does. It really does. Like now, the more I think about it, I'm just like, what the fuck? And with that, let's talk about Connell. Cochran. Yeah, let's talk about the, the good Bond life. villain. He yeah. really is a fucking Bond villain. Like <laughs> you, you seem to I like do, him a lot. That's crazy. because he's some <laughs> fucking nut job with a hard on for Salim Khan. Except he yeah, says Sam. Sure. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he says Sam Hain or something, and it makes me angry. No, he you says know, he Samhain. Does. He says he it says really it fast. Right. He Sam. says it really fast. You know, he says it right, yeah. unlike everyone else. <laughs> I mean, but he's a good villain. Um, I mean, as a villain, yeah, he is very much Bond villain-esque in the fact that he's just doing a thing. We don't really know what his motivation is, other than, I guess he's he's from the lineage of the druids that used to yes. conduct these rituals, yeah, right? Yeah, he kills these yeah, kids. Uh... You want to just, you know, preserve the family legacy. <laughs> yeah, he comes from a, like, a, lar- a long line of uh, Irish immigrants. Yeah. Or... Uh, like his was it grandfather or great grandfather like started the company and, yeah like, yeah, like they started they came over from Ireland and started the town and um, built the the factory out of an old dairy is what they said it used yeah. to be an old dairy farm mm-hmm. yeah and then they just grew the factory out of there and they became the largest Halloween mass supplier in the entire country if the movie lore is to be believed yeah, <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> with these. Fucking low rate ass latex garbage mask. Okay, first of all, fuck you. The witch one's really good. I want the uh, pumpkin. I want the. Pumpkin. Oh, be quiet. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna... genuinely thinking of buying one of the uh, replicas from Trick or Treat Studios of the pumpkin mask. Am I the only one that doesn't like any of them? You I like are the a witch fucking buzzkill. You are a fucking buzzkill. Okay, fuck that's fine. I'm not the first time in my life I've been called that. <laughs> no, okay, I like the witch one. I'll say, I'll say, I feel like the skeleton one and the pumpkin one are maybe a little kind of low quality. Uh, but I, I, I think the witch one's really good. Okay, I want to talk about the mask a little bit later on. We'll talk about the mask. Uh, this a little is bit the later. time to talk about the. Mask. Well, I wanted to go into like how they're kind of a fad, and I don't understand fads, and why the hell of all things do these three masks? Make it into like the craziest shit that every fucking kid wants so bad they're willing to melt their head into insects. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Okay, I, I totally understand what you mean, and we'll get into that in a second. But... Okay, but a, a little bit more about Cochrane, though. 
for a horror film, this is the weirdest, most convoluted plot. Like, or at least scheme, I should say. Because not, not plot, but his actual evil person scheme. Why does it work? Tell me why it works, because I like it. I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Because I really like it, but it is so over the top. <laughs> He's, he sells it. Yeah. You think I, it's him himself? Yeah, yeah. I, think it, it? I think it is him. Uh, I Yeah, I think, I think it is him, because, like... His idea, his scheme is relatively simple, but also really complicated. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, like okay, the idea is like, okay, I kill a bunch of kids, and then the age of witchcraft is upon us. Fine. You also have to import Stonehenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, and then fine. You also need an army of androids. Okay, fine. But also, I need all of these TV commercial spots. Like, I need like a fuck ton of them. Like, <laughs> on all three major networks. Yeah, that makes me yes. like genuinely like. Hey, how do you? How did he? How did he do that? That's one thing. Wor- That's one. World's thing. large. I mean, excuse me. Country's largest mass supplier, Chrissy. Okay, yeah. he's rolling in bank. Yeah, they actually say he's like one of the <laughs> richest men. He's like top ten richest men in the country, or something like that, don't they? I'm pretty sure they say that. Something like at that. least in this universe. Yeah, in this <laughs> universe. So he is the Bill Gates of children killing and <laughs> Halloweening. Let's put it that way. Yeah, man. Fuck, <laughs> man. Colonel Cochran really said, fuck them kids. <laughs> Goals. <laughs> All the kids that died were unvaccinated. What? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Let's okay. Play. Can, we, can, we, can we make a, our own spinoff to Halloween 3 in which that's the... Okay, no, no. We're not going to get into the anti-vaxxer thing. We don't have time. There's <laughs> <laughs> not enough time in a, fucking, in a fucking year to talk about that shit. I, God, I don't want to get into that. Were there any other characters we missed? I think those are the only ones other than uh, Drunk Man in, in the alleyway. Yeah, it's not really. Dick I mean, <laughs> Oh, yeah, and Dick Warlock. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, I have Marge, I guess. I don't know. She doesn't really have, like, like she's that, uh, she's almost the up the ante kill, if we're talking about that. You know, like, when we're talking about She just has films, the best but... effect, like, of the whole film. She really does. She's the best effect. In a film that is actually mm. fairly PG-13, she probably made this an R, if it is, even is an R. I don't know that it is. Pretty sure it is. Um, is it really? Then that's the only reason there's why. There's a very brief uh, shot of a nipple, so, yes. No, yeah. he starts sucking that shit as soon as it comes on screen. It's I like saw there and then gone. I saw a nipple. <laughs> <laughs> I was also looking for a nipple. <laughs> oh, jeez. Nipple. 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 <laughs> I'm not going to get into this with Now, me. we don't have a dedicated section on effects. I do want to talk about that effect. Because uh, that's the only really like, yeah. really decent one. I mean, you have you have the Android... Poking the guy in the eyes and then twisting his, yeah. uh, twisting the bridge of his nose. I love that. Not bloody. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, not, it's not, not gory. Yeah. You don't really have any gory effects in There's this film. There's actually not a lot of other, extreme. Other than Marge's face. Exactly. Marge's face, off. the guy's head being ripped off, and that fucking horrifying scene with the kid dying. <laughs> like, yeah, and but that's not gory either. It's just fucking that's awful. Just sneaky. You know, it's just the most psychological horror bit in, in a lot of horror films that I've seen. It's one of the most effective... Horror scenes. Oh, it's really good that I've seen. You yeah, know, it stuck with me for a long time. Yeah, yeah. but um, but the effects in, <laughs> like, it's almost you said this and the thing came out the same year. So the effect of Marge's face getting blown open is straight out of the thing comparatively to every other effect in True, this yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
yeah, I don't know. It's like one of those things where it's uh, it's just one of those uh, ideas of like the flashes of brilliance that mm-hmm. came out. And, and you just wish, I, I think, as much as, you know, gore is kind of a gimmick in a lot of horror movies now, this movie might have benefited from having a tiny bit more gore to it just to kind of sell it a little bit. Maybe, Maybe yeah. that's a shitty way to look at horror films. Maybe it is just as good the way that it, it is. That might it to more audience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Someone might have been like, oh, this is the scariest movie I've ever seen because this guy gets shoved up the other guy's ass and it comes out of his face. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and there's blood everywhere. But I, mean, but I mean, fucking Dick Warlock rips a guy's head off. But it, like, how did that not sell it? Well, I think, so I think one of the things that, yeah, no, I think Isaac, you're right that it not being overly gory is what probably hurt it a little bit, but I think that's what makes it a better movie because the... Gore is sparse, mm-hmm. but it's very mm. effective yeah, when it's on screen. I, I agree yes. with that, because like yeah. I said, I'm not the person that he, he, who normally says, oh, the gore makes the horror film. I'm right. really not. Normally, I, I would prefer a film to be much more psychological. Right. It's, but it is if you're going to sit in the Halloween franchise and you're going to try to appeal to viewers, it might do its service to have a little bit more. And especially, same year as The Thing, The Thing is super psychological, but also has some fucking amazing gory effects oh, yeah. that like really oh, amplify yeah. everything about Hell that yeah. film. Mm-hmm. So this movie could have just done a little bit better. I will yeah. say uh, her squiggle arm at the end is great. Oh, it's good. <laughs> when they rip off her arm and it's just like... Yeah, no, I, I love that whole part at the end and the part with the squiggle arm makes me laugh my ass off. It's kind of funny. <laughs> and yeah, and it might not be gory, but since they're androids, it's kind of like gore. They have all like that tang coming out of their mouth when they start <laughs> bleeding, so... No, it's um, it's like the effect in Phantasm when, when they cut off... The finger of the tall man, it's like a yellow custody. Oh, yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah, that's true. It is a lot. It is very, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, or like really gross yellow cum. (laughs) I was just thinking of the of the replicants in or the um synthetics in Alien that we talked about. They're full of cum. Uh, I just thought of them as full of tang, brimming (laughs) with cum. I can relate. Oh boy, we're bringing that back. Um, so let me start by saying that the music in this is really good, which, uh, was a collaboration between Alan Holworth and Carpenter, uh, although it is, in my opinion, a lot more, like, Carpenter-esque in the DNA of it. Of course. Um, yeah. But what really sticks in your head, what you can't get out of your head, is the Silver Shamrock theme. Which is just a version of London Bridge is Falling Down. Yeah, I mean, it is. But it's it's like a weird, like, techno polka thing that just really invades your psyche. Uh, And the words that repeat over and over with increasing urgency as the movie progresses through the days leading up to Halloween, it's just, like, really effective. And it creates, like, this weird sense of dread. Uh, Until you, like, basically until you learn the commercial's true purpose. Uh, at the end. So it's just like one of those things that it's just kind of like in the background the whole time you're just like, what the fuck is happening, you know? The thing about the Silver Shamrock song, yeah, Silver, I can't enunciate, Silver Shamrock song. Yes. <laughs> it's hard. Say it three yeah. times fast. I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> silver Shamrock song, Silver Shamrock song, Silver Shamrock song. Fuck well, you. <laughs> bully to you. <laughs> bully to you. <laughs> well, I don't know. I... Obviously, yeah, I hate it, but you're supposed to, to a certain degree. 
I don't understand why anyone would think it is popular, even if in a fictitious universe. What I think is effective in this movie, as far as music and sound goes, uh, I love the narrator that talks over the Silver Shamrock theme. It's That's almost, Tommy Lee Wallace. Is that the actual director? Mm-hmm. I love his voice. It's almost here. Come and see. Yes. Put on your masks. It's almost Halloween. <laughs> it's so fucking creepy. It like yeah. it legitimately upsets me a little bit down to like my soul. <laughs> and I mean, I I don't know how to, I don't know a polite way to say what it sounds like. It just doesn't sound happy or inviting. And, and considering this is about killing children. Like, creepy. Yes, that's the <laughs> best way to say it. Creepy is the best way to say it. Yes, it is very yes. creepy. And then, um, so I think that's really effective. Uh, obviously the theme, obviously all the actual music. It's so techno-driven and like synthetic. You can, you can totally tell that Carpenter was working on the thing soundtrack at the same time. Oh, yeah. Because it sounds oh, yeah. a lot like the thing soundtrack. No, it's so yes. good. And yeah. I love... Like, I love it during the intro where you have, like, all the scan lines and the pixels oh, that make yeah. up the, the, mm. the jack-o'-lantern. It's a great intro. I love it so much. Yeah. One thing that sticks with me with the sound design of this movie, though, are the fucking... I don't even know what you call it. The, the spikes. The... Every time, like, something happens. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's not really a jump scare. It's just kind of like... Someone laid on a keyboard for a second. Don't <laughs> I just fell asleep. Yeah, no, I love that sound because it always happens and you're never ready for it. Right. And it's almost more effective than an actual jump scare. Because you're sitting there expecting, oh, yeah, this guy's going to come around the corner. They're going to try and scare me. I'm not ready for that. But then they assault you <laughs> yeah. with the music instead of the actual action on screen. Yeah. You're like, holy shit, what the fuck? And you're almost, <laughs> you're more scared at the music than you are the thing going on. So you have to recover and be like, oh, wait, what's what's going on? <laughs> Did he just grab a Snickers bar? Is that, is that all that happened? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's really effective. And but it I was really... an evil Snickers bar. <laughs> <laughs> the thing became a Snickers bar. Oh, Ooh. oh gross. And then they eat it, and then your, your stomach comes out oh, like God. a dog in little Imagine all the blood. And peanuts. <laughs> and peanut allergies. They're dangerous. Oh, my God. And peanuts, he says. <laughs> But um, but yeah, that's that's how I feel about the sound design in this movie. I love it. I love it a lot. I think yeah, it's really good. Uh, I love it. It's a good. It's one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things where I forgot how good it was. Like, cause I I would when I think of this movie, I don't think of sound design in it in the music. But then I go back and watch it, and I'm just like, fuck, it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the. The only thing I kind of don't like is some of the sound effects are kind of goofy. I'm trying to think. Some of, of it. like the squishing noises, like and, and stuff like that, are kind of like. And all the sound effects that are playing over the cartoons when he's in the bar, <laughs> like it's well, that's like, oh, yeah, I know, but it's yeah. like it's like it's annoying for sure. It's like stock foley, yeah. like you know what I mean. Um, I'm trying to think of any of the actual. Any of the actual sound effects. I can't think of any of the actual foleying stuff that was done in this. A Maybe I them, wasn't paying attention to it. A lot it. of them are good. Some of them are goofy. Let me put it that really? way. That's how I feel about it. But it's a it's a small gripe. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, like, sound works really well. Um, I do want to... Let, let's circle back to the Silver Shamrock really fast. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Is that effective? Do you think that would have been effective for for kids? Oh, it got yeah. stuck in my fucking head. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because I'm just yeah. trying to think of. I'm trying to think of other things that are effective for children, and I, like I guess this is the best place to talk about fads and oh, stuff yeah. like that, yeah. and themes. Yeah. And one of the big themes that I really wanted, I, I did look into a little bit, is the science of of fads and what makes things popular and stuff like that. And it turns out there's not even a whole lot of research about it because it's one of those hard things to quantify. Right. And no one really knows exactly why at a certain moment in time one thing becomes really popular, and then within like. You know, could be days, could be weeks, could be years, but eventually just dies out and goes away. Why does that stuff happen? And I really like the way that this movie does that. In the Silver Shamrock theme is one of them. It, it shows that, like, this entire generation of children is coming around something that I think is objectively horrible. <laughs> but as it is with most fads, I'm old and I think most things kids like are objectively yeah. horrible. <laughs> like Fortnite. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I think this movie really... The theme that fascinates me is the ability to actually seize on this idea of fads and the yeah. way that this an entity is able to seize on the idea of a fad in order to institute a weird evil plan. Yeah. Because that's something that you don't see in a movie very often. I feel like I've seen it in maybe a couple things. In fact, I think Tomorrow Never Dies is something kind of along those lines. Almost, yeah. Because he's like, the what, the leader of a news organization and something? No, they, yeah, once again, like, the whole thing is very much like a Bond villain. Yeah, I'm trying to like, think of plots like, that are similar, and first thing I think of is Bond. No, 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 you're, you're right. It's very much like a, a, like a fucking James Bond plot, like, once again coming back to that, because it is. Like, think about it. It's like, okay, we're going to, like, uh, indoctrinate all these children, essentially, and then kill them. I mean, it's... It, with the TV commercial, I, I don't know. It just seems like very Bond villainy to me. Uh, I mean, it's obviously like a lot more sinister, like horror version of that. But, you know, it's kind of the same sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. We talked about this before we did the episode. Like you and me were talking about like other fads that we can think of that are good examples, like the Pet Rock. Yeah. <laughs> or Tickle Me Elmo. Fidget spinners. Fidget for more spinners. colloquially, though, or not colloquially, but more contemporarily. You know, yeah. that, that uh -huh. is what happened yeah. very similarly. No one can. What about some fads over in Britain? I, I literally like, just found one of, of an advert that, of, of a similar thing, like Silver Shamrock theme that used to get stuck in your head. And I'm gonna, first of all, fuck you guys for the fact I'm having to remember this advert. But it was an <laughs> advert for Frosty's cereal, where it was like, they're gonna taste great, they're gonna taste great. And uh. it, like, <laughs> I remember people singing it, just like wandering around, like school. Oh, no. People would like make very, obviously, very rude versions of it because children. But yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, the serial advert's gonna be stuck in my head now. <laughs> and so, I don't know, so it... it. And the, one, one thing that I did stumble across when I was doing research is kind of like that, you know, advertising used to kind of be the memes of early, early days. Like, basically, you know, yeah. they made a shitty advert, like... Yeah this Silver Shamrock thing, and then because kids liked it so much, every news station picked it up and had to run like a fluff piece about it, and yeah. that only made it spread more. And so... 
Well, I think I think a lot of the reasons why like a lot of commercials or products caught on back in the day before the internet uh, was partially theme songs. I because yeah. you have a hook. Oh yeah. You know, and that hook that hook in the song really makes you think about it all the time. Like, because songs get stuck in your head more readily than a lot of other things because you. It's not a visual thing. It's something that you hear inside your head and that you don't have to, that'll just invade your thoughts like mm-hmm. without you even thinking about it. And I think that's one of the things is the theme song is actually very important. And it's actually, yeah. it's a very 20th century thing too. Like we really don't have it that much anymore. Like I think that they still do jingles from time to time. Like yeah. like 1-800-588-2300 Empire. Empire. Yeah. Like, I mean, that that's a good... Like, or... Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Yeah, there you go. But, um, <laughs> for, for, but yeah, it's just not... For, for UK friends and listeners, <laughs> everyone knows the Hastings Direct Insurance fucking jingle. Oh, I bet they do. It's Whatever it is. Oh eight hundred double O ten sixty six. 1066 Fuck that play. Fuck that advert. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, is that how it goes? Yeah. <laughs> it's mostly because it's for Litchy Hometown. Fuck that advert. But yeah, oh. fuck that fad. Everyone used to go around school singing that. I fucking hate oh. it. Oh. All the yeah. um, so that's... the Cadbury's advert with Phil Collins. Everyone remembers that. I don't. Yeah, oh, I it's, don't. A, it's a UK. It's a it's a UK advert. It's. I checked out when you said Phil Collins. <laughs> it's a it's a, um, a bloke in a. Very, I checked in when you said Cadbury's. <laughs> it's a very superimposed monkey playing in the air tonight on the drums everyone like knew that advert okay, okay. You, you got me back now <laughs> yeah. um but i don't know i think it's fascinating that you're right i think that the theme song probably is one of the biggest parts of this because like i said it is super super relevant to the 20th century and i think that might be the big theme of this yeah. you know like yeah. a lot of horror movies talk about sex, a lot of horror movies talk about sin, a lot of t- horror movies just talk about dysfunctional household. This one's talking about advertising. Yeah. This one's like, <laughs> which hey, is a cap- weird take. This one's like, hey, capitalism is kind of bad. Fuck them kids. Yeah. yeah. It actually it actually is. Interestingly enough, it's almost like, yeah, it is like fuck capitalism actually. And I mean, it, from from the bare bones, like it the way that they manage their town, you know what I mean? Think about if Amazon managed a town, it'd look kind of like Santa Mira. Oh, God. You know what I mean? Oh, don't even... Or like, oh, or like yeah. Hershey yeah, according to... in Pennsylvania. Ooh, Ooh yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a company true. town. And, um, yeah, they're kind of shitty to the people that live there. Certainly shitty to the people that work there. None of them are real. They're all androids. They took their jobs. Oh, shit. <laughs> and, I mean, you see that in the in the guy in the in the alleyway. He, he's even saying, like, do you think they would hire me to work there? So, I think we might have done it, guys. We might have actually come across the first anti-capitalist horror movie. Colonel Cochran is just Jeff Bezos 1.0. <laughs> Hell yeah. Shit. Now we have to, now we have to have a whole new episode about whether Jeff Bezos is trying to summon the devil. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. He's saying fuck so, them kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So there's a lot of reasons uh, that we've already talked about why this film is one of the most important in the franchise as far as how it changed the course of the following movies and some of the themes displayed in those films. Uh, most important thing probably that the film introduced other than the idea of like fuck capitalism that we just talked about uh, was the franchise's short but marked obsession with Celtic culture in themes. Uh, which is revisited in The Curse of Michael Myers, which is the sixth film in the franchise. Uh, it's not called Halloween 6, it's just called Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. Um, the whole storyline of Season of the Witch being based around rituals and a general Irish magical theme kind of sets that groundwork. So, I it's it's weird because they it's not until they get into Santa Mira where it's just like completely very... Celtic, very Irish, I guess, you know? But then you see, like, what's called Silver Shamrock, and, like, the shamrock is, like, automatically a thing that you associate with Irish peoples, I guess. Yeah, um, shamrocks, you know, Ireland, yeah. the luck of the Irish. Yeah, that whole thing. The way that they... The way that they frame the fact that it's Irish in Halloween 3, though kind of fits to me personally a little bit better in f from only seeing Halloween 1, Halloween 2018 and Halloween 3. The way that they frame it kind of fits a little bit better than I think a lot of people would feel like cuz Halloween is definitely about middle America. Middle America was built on immigrants. They're just talking about a uh, immigrant town in Halloween 3. Right. You know what I mean? A, a, a town built by Irish immigrants in America, which is a concept that pretty much, even though they're in California in this movie, and they're in, where where were they in the original Halloween? Yeah, Illinois? Illinois? Yeah. Yeah. Which had, is obviously going to be a very heavy immigrant population in Illinois. Oh, yeah. um, I think that that's probably an idea that most Americans could wrap their head around. You know what I mean? So it's middle America in the first one, which is going to have immigrant lineage no matter what. In this one, it's an immigrant town from from Ireland. For whatever reason, that 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 makes sense to me. So I don't think it's too... I, I know it doesn't fit with like trying to incorporate Celtic stuff, yeah. but it does fit with just trying to be American. And Halloween 1 is very American. It's very middle American. This one's just about as American. You know what? You know what the vibes I was actually getting from when they first entered Santa Mira, other than you know, obviously to Company Town. One of the vibes I was getting getting was actually Wicker. Oh yeah, because it's like it's so isolated, and they're mm -hmm. all just their own self-contained community. Yeah, that I got very much like a Wicker Man type vibe to it. Like, oh okay, now they're in this fucking place where like maybe there are different customs and there's no cops and there's no cops and there's no hospital the the hospital they're self the factory. yeah they're self-policing mm -hmm. you know that that's actually real i didn't i didn't catch on to that but like that's what i was saying where that's what i was trying to say earlier when it, it's a very isolated town if it's a company town because you're just surrounded by company you're not surrounded by any anyone else and right. there's no real way to get out and call for help if you needed to so that just made it a lot creepier for sure well, but um confuses me about this, and not confuse me, just mildly frustrates me, is Stonehenge is in no way to do with Ireland. And yet, yes, th it's, that's true. It's, it's an English thing, and yet here they are just shoving it there because Celtic culture is an, just an Irish thing, apparently, when it was an entire UK pre-Roman pre thing. 
but druids though, and druids are both. I assume. Yeah, druids are Welsh. <laughs> druids are Welsh, Scottish, Irish, English. Like it's and just you have your answer. The, 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 <laughs> they just don't. They just they just fucking Americans is all I can say about that. Yeah, no, okay, you're you're so actually right about that. They were the same thing. There once was a land bridge between Ireland and the UK. Okay, they just had their summer picnic. They would walk across that land bridge over <laughs> to Stonehenge and would be back in Dublin for breakfast the next morning. It's fine. Don't overanalyze it. How do you bullshit like that and not bleed out of your ears? Like, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't get it. Like you just like you just like have these stream of thoughts, and I'm just like, how is his brain not UK melting? and Ireland? actually be- once belonged to a now sunken supercontinent under most of the North Sea. Is this another Asian aliens thing? <laughs> no, it's not. Like... Now I'm just making this up. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> okay, you're just making shit up now. Okay, gotcha. Um, I mean, I feel bad for Ireland. They've been occupied by England for too long. I think we all feel bad for Ireland, Ireland yes. Um, just... Complete side note. I um, this is me saying I'm never gonna make another Brexit note or a Brexit joke on the podcast because it. God, y- y'all have it just as bad as we do. For a while, I thought it was funny. Now it's just as bad as what we have to go through. So I'm sorry. It hasn't been funny for like three years. Yeah, but it was for a little bit. It was. It was funny. It was a us. novelty for us for a moment, yeah. and I found it hilarious. That now ev- both of our civilizations are crumbling, and now I'm really yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you fucking better be. I am. I'm sorry, Chrissy. But anyway, um, Colonel Cochrane caused Brexit. <laughs> oh God. Uh, he would. Yeah. That's see from America too. He's like a Coke brother. Yeah, yeah, he kind of oh. is. <laughs> yeah, Conor, or Putin. Conor, or Co- Putin Co- let's put it that way. Co- oh! <laughs> Geopolitical <laughs> strife. Putin knows mass on the children's heads. <laughs> what'd you say? Yeah, what'd you say? Sorry. <laughs> it's even funnier because Brexit was caused by people, uh, by, by rich people donating to a campaign of lies. Mm. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, (laughs) anyway, stop depressing me, me. Um, Uh, Okay, no, I have a question really quick, Chrissy. Okay. So, how do you interpret the weird Celtic Stonehenge nonsense, like, mythology in Halloween 3? (laughs) I kind of love it, because it's so off the mark. Is it really? Yeah, it (laughs) is. I mean, it, it it is and it isn't, but it's kind of off the mark, and I kind of love it. It's it, it's very American. It's an American way of looking at it. It's, okay, it's like watching the, there was a Ghost Adventures episode where they went to fucking Stonehenge. Hell yeah. Because oh, no. they were in the UK. And it's literally like listening. It's like watching a whole film of just Zach Bagans talking about Stonehenge. But but to do with Halloween, mm. I it's so not there, <laughs> so close in terms of it being so close and to getting it right. So let but me. It's not. I, I do want to. So I want to maybe flex a little bit of my knowledge here because I I I I'm generally yes also an ignorant American, but I know just enough about druids to say this. 
uh, that, first of all, Stonehenge is in a big open field, which a lot of people understand that and a lot of people know that. Uh, but the thing is, is that Druids did do sacrifices, but they didn't do sacrifices in big open fields or with big stone monuments. They generally did them in forests. Uh, yeah. which is what we, I mean, if you ever played D and D, you would know that's what a druid is. It's like, it's a forest dweller type person. They, yeah. And I, I mean, I made fun of Stonehenge at the beginning about being made by aliens, but I mean, the classical like understanding of at least what mainstream archeologists tell you that Stonehenge was for is either for a calendar or for something to approximate seasons or something like that. It was definitely some sort of either a big nature clock or just a place to hang out. They, uh, Part of it might have been a nature <laughs> clock because they have proven that it does line up with other re ritualistic sites across England. Yep, that's um, true. Which is yeah, it's it, on it, a load of ley lines as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Which a ley line, for those of you who don't know, it's kind of a weird concept, but it's supposed to be lines in the earth that transport energy from one place to another, and connecting these normally in triangular patterns will increase spiritual or earth energy and for druids or for ancient ones who ancient like religions who worshiped the earth above most other things that was very important it became important in like uh some eastern religions too like um i believe it was oh shoot i don't want to speak out of turn but there were some eastern religions that also knew about kind of like the chi flowing through ley lines and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, well, and, uh, probably mm. probably Taoism, I would imagine. Taoism, yeah. like, uh, and I know that Feng Shui kind of grew up around that idea of incorporating, like, positive energy along yeah. lines Yeah, and it's in a and, different like, way than, like, paganism. Like, yeah. paganism was very much nature-focused, but not in, like, the... Not the a spiritual energy, naturism. Yeah, not, like, spiritual energy type yeah. stuff. It was more of, like, okay, there was, like, a big sun god, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um... It's 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 different than because a lot of people I feel like I feel like Americans a lot kind of try and fuse like Celtic culture and like paganism together and stuff oh, like yeah. that when they're they're separate things and they were they kind of evolved separately mm -hmm. from each other. Um, but I mean, yeah, the Dru Druids are a really interesting thing to talk about. I wish I had done some more research on Druids, but because Druid like the Druids are like a, they're a priesthood. Like I said before, they're like a whole they were like part of. The Celtic civilization, like I said, they started around 300 BC, but they were very much like the, you can kind of think of them like sort of like uh, witch doctors or shamans or that sort of thing. They were like kind of a class. Druids were a class of of the society, um, and they kind of held like the, the big spiritual energy of the whole society in check. Um, I don't know. It's it, We probably, I don't know. Do you know a whole bunch about Druids? Um, I can say I used to, because I was a super nerd as a child and was really into that. Really <laughs> into that kind of thing. But not so much anymore. That has been replaced by the Silver Shamrock theme. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, druid, druids were like, you know, like, doctory boys, priesty boys. They were kind of like that dude you went to when you had a problem. Right. And, and some of them were like council leaders kind of thing. Right. They're not they're not unlike they I guess they're kind of like uh let's say like a more recentish example, like uh like post revolutionary France. You had a lot a lot of like these sort of priest guys called uh Abbes. Which mm. you, have you ever read Count of Monte Cristo, they talk a lot about Abbes, but they're the kind of like they're sort of like the scholarly type. They're kinda of like uh kind of like um monks 
let's say they're kind of they have like a knowledge of everything type thing um that's kind of what druids were as far as like their capacity i would say they are like largely spiritual uh leaders but they also were kind of like jack of all trades type people that kind of had all sorts of they their knowledge encompassed every facet let's yeah. say yeah I mean, what 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 year are we talking about again? Like what where druids, druids were primarily the, around? Druids, as we understand them, begun about three hundred BC. Okay, yeah. so three hundred BC. Yeah, that's a long ass time ago. Trying to think, are in three hundred BC? Do we have civilizations yet? Or are we still trying to focus on just not dying and um, hunter survivor? Well, the, type the stuff? Egyptians existed in like twenty four hundred BC. Okay. So yeah, we definitely had civilizations, but we had kind of a waxing and waning of civilization. Was this Dark Ages? Was that what three hundred BC? No, was? three. No, <laughs> Dark Ages is like post. That's AD. Never mind. I'm yeah, it's yeah. post six hundred AD. Post, post fall of the Roman. So Empire. in the British Isles, what do we say is going on? Yeah, um, 300 BC. I mean, Vikings probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still, it's still, pretty. It's still like pre, it's pre uh, Julian Roman. That's all I know. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. It's like right, at, like 300 BC would be like a lot of world history as oh. we know it and as we understand it and as we have known it is recorded. Known, it's it's like the Bronze Age. Right. We okay. would we would the part that we know about is largely like uh the Achaemenid uh Persian Empire, like the uh the Spartans, the Greeks, all that sort of stuff okay. that would be happening roughly around this time. And so yeah. and is is were the druids the was that like the primarily um like religion or a belief system that was going on or were there multiple belief systems going on in the united kingdom in the celtic culture in the celtic culture largely yeah okay so yeah so what we can safely say is that the druids were kind of the keepers of spirituality while everybody else was focusing on either war staying alive or trying to you know manage their towns you know what i mean so it's Mm -hmm. very much the, the spiritualists who people would go to for you know guidance I think it's probably the safe way that we can look at druids. And they're the ones that have the time to be like, hey, let's build these big rock Legos, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everybody else don't got time for that. Rock Legos, I like that. Uh, that, That's a good one. Uh, I do briefly want to talk about Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, I didn't watch it leading up to this, but I, I saw it. Like a little bit yeah, ago. Yeah, what does that have to do with Celtic? You said that uh, before. Yeah. Curse of the, the, the thorn cult. Yeah, yeah. The, the thorn th- Yeah, he's, he's got a curse of the thorn. Basically, he's like a... He's become like a evil entity cursed by... What is it? Is that he's cursed by Sawain Or what is it? Is it... I don't know what's going on there. It's not if, Jesus related? <laughs> no. Um, because no. crown of thorns that's what the first no no, thing no i know what you mean head. but okay. yeah, no this is just making sure yeah yeah no the thorn is referred to an, a- an ancient dark supernatural demon that bestows great power upon someone who was possessed by it dating back to the time of the druids oh, wow. so yeah so, it's yeah. literally like and that they just drop that into the halloween canon out of nowhere yeah Okay. Yeah, well, but like I said, this, this, this film kind of like set that groundwork. Is like, okay. is like, okay, yeah, we got some Celtic stuff in this one. Uh, we don't know what we're talking about. 
And Chris and Michael Myers, we kind of know a little bit more about what we're talking about, but still not much. <laughs> right. Okay, so I've got, I've got the me... description of Curse of Thorn here. Go, it says go for it. the Curse of Thorn is often associated with a constellation that could appear during Halloween in the time of the Druids to present prevent mass death among the tribes. One family was chosen to be possessed by Thorn, and it would sacrificially murder the entire host family on the night of Samhain in which it in turn would promise to spare the community from disastrous events. So yeah, okay, it's actually yeah. just, hey, apparently this cult picked fucking Michael Myers, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, okay. Yeah. So in this, it is more of a service level thing. It's not them bringing like the Celtic understanding that they had in 3 into yeah. a new part of the series. It was more that we thought Celtic stuff was cool. Let's roll with that and make yeah, a new, it's let's like make a the, new thing. It's like the Evangelion level yeah. of fascination. Yeah, because like, no, I was sitting here and I'm just like, okay. But in, in the Halloween 3 universe, Michael Myers is, is a fictional character in a movie because they watch that movie a lot, but then they bring it back in the next one and, and he's Celtic. And that's yeah. the whole point. I was just like, that's weird. But as long as it's just like, a we thought this was cool, this is what we're doing on our next movie. I can respect that. Yeah, I can kind of respect that. As long as you're not like completely bastardizing it, I guess. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. that's, that's all you can hope for. Fuck it. Um... so um let's talk about i guess so one of the big questions that i guess i had at the end of watching this film again and that i think a lot of people have at at watching this film and kind of debating it later is like yes it's sci-fi horror but it's also fantasy horror so it's like which do you think it is more and I guess, like, I guess we should kind of have some evidence of either one. But mm. I'm in the camp that it's sci-fi horror is 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 my The camp. use of androids makes me feel it's more sci-fi. And the use of, like, the technology makes me feel it's more sci-fi. But then there's also the, the magic element and the fucking Stone Edge element, which makes me feel fantasy... So I'm I'm in a camp that's all fucking three. I I'm normally I'd be with you, but if only for conversation, this is how I feel. But if only for conversation, I'm gonna sit on the, in the camp that I think it's fantasy horror, and I'll say this because um, the androids are built out of a tradition of toy making. And oh, yeah, okay. You, okay, you know the... I can get what you're saying. You and there. I have played that game, Siberia, on the Xbox. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's all this... I love that game. It's this, like, island, or it's this play, It's a city built around a town that, like... Again, it was like a toy maker's town that they kind of... It, they built that up around the town. Yeah. And so all those toys... It's kind of an toys, interestingly a similar plot in some ways. Yeah, so I, I, yeah. There's, there's probably some taking stuff from that. That's a yeah. very fantasy-feeling game. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's a... It's a... It's a... Actu- I mean, uh... Uh, an adventure game. I wouldn't say it's a science fiction game, generally. You would say that was a science fiction? I would say it's not a science fiction game. Not a science fiction game. So, because the androids have this tradition in down-home, folksy, like, tinkering, (laughs) for whatever reason, that strikes the chord as as fantasy to me, even though... Because there's nothing, the only technological stuff in this is shitty NASA computers blinking off and on, and TVs. 
Well, the little microchips and the medallions on the back of the mask, though. True, so, that too. And that the too. And in the little wiggly arm uh, nub. Uh, it that she looks... finds in the car? No, 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 no. The little wiggly arm nub that Ellie has when she her arm comes off. Right, but again... But... It looks very science fiction-y to me compared to, like, little gears, I guess. I got I you. Know. Yeah, no, and I'll take that. But for whatever reason... I think it's very much fantasy, but the reason I like it is because it's melding technology with something fantasy or fantastic, I guess. It's this weird thing of we're using magic, but we're using technology to facilitate that on the most part. Because right. I'm not sitting here thinking, like I said, I don't think the androids are really technological marvels. It's more like a fantasy marvel because I don't really... Because they don't talk about how any of them have computers controlling them. You know what I mean? They True. just kind of do. They don't really have it, with the exception of Ellie. And even if if we take the understanding that Ellie was killed and replaced, she does not have much dialogue after she's replaced. She's just kind of there. And then he sees, hey, he's like, are you okay? And then she attacks him. Yeah. So she doesn't exhibit intelligence from that point on if we take it to mean that she was human all throughout. Mm. True. If we want to take it from the standpoint that she wasn't human all the movie, like I said, that kind of slips it more into some Blade Runner territory. So I think there's a lot of room for interpretation on this, yeah. which is actually kind of cool. Yeah. And, and if Ellie is like the, I guess, the equivalent to uh, Rachel... In Blade Runner, mm -hmm. uh, she is like the most advanced exactly. android. Yeah, uh, if we're going to say that she was an android the whole time, because mm -hmm. um, it's proven that the other androids don't really talk much, but they do the, have regular biological functions. Yes, but the only thing that the one android that we know says something is misfire, one word. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we got one that sneezes, and we got one that sneezes, and then we got one that's really good at ripping heads off, uh, <laughs> and. <laughs> yeeted man, that head if, right out of there man if he yeeted it like just like threw it like, like a no, drop kick that fucking like thing. he was shooting a fucking basketball from the like the half court like he just like fucking threw it across oh man that would have been great uh, so i guess and see just judging from our interpretations like, okay, Chrissy, why do you stand where you stand on thinking it's just a weird amalgam? And I mean, it is. And I think that's probably what we're going to come to. It's probably to the closest interpretation. Yeah. It's like, it is a Because melting. it has so many elements of both that it's so ambiguous. Like, in terms of the, the sci-fi fantasy. It's got so mm. many elements of both that it's so ambiguous. It's like, oh, hey, this fucking android, you know, futuristic tech. But it's made from, like, puppetry and old-school sort of mysticism. Hey, mm -hmm. Stonehenge yeah. is being powered by fucking computers here. Like, you know? <laughs> also, I just... Yeah, um, I'm... Yeah, it just is... There's so much of each that it's... It's like they were baking a cake, but they put too many equal parts flour and sugar in it. Instead of there being a ratio okay. of like this to that, where you could be like, hey, that's definitely more that than that, they, it's so equal. And then there are some horror elements, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. you think that was on purpose or do you think that they do you think they wanted to leave it over into interpretation as to what the driving force was or do you think that they like you said were baking a cake and didn't know what the fuck they wanted to do with it i think it's a bit that it's a bit they didn't know what the fuck they wanted to do <laughs> but also it's mostly i think an ambiguous thing just so someone just so you know because Carpenter likes that, doesn't he, when he's writing things. He likes making things ambiguous on what they are. So I'm just assuming... In anthologies I'm just like assuming that. it's Carpenter being like, <laughs> they will debate true. this. <laughs> well, true, because you, you watch the thing and you think, is it more psychological horror or is it more sci-fi yeah. horror? And it's kind of it's kind of almost equal parts both, to me. Yeah, no, I mean, least. yeah, sci-fi doesn't... Only the the only fact that makes it really sci-fi is that it's an alien. You could have easily explained it as weird bacteria we found in an iceberg that was frozen in the ice age, and it would have made as much sense. You know what I mean? It's just he based it on thing from another world that gave it the sci-fi element to begin with. Like I said, yeah. you could have dug up like it will like you know X Files when they find like the weird goop in the in the bot in in the ground. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Like yeah. they could have easily said, "We found this weird goop in the ground. Let's let's figure out what it is." And then that was the thing instead of an alien. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Would have worked exactly yeah. the same way, but it wouldn't have been sci-fi. It would have been just straight horror. So I, 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 I and I think I probably said this at the time. I think I, I don't really think the thing is that sci-fi. I think it's just good straight-up psychological horror. Yeah, I can I can tend to agree with you on that. The only thing is that they're in Antarctica and they're a science research station, so sci-fi horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was an X-Files episode about it. I don't know if you yeah. know. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, because I am very, fairly strong in the sci-fi horror camp, and I only say that because a lot of sci-fi uh, movies, and especially sci-fi horror movies, is kind of like... Uh, you trying to find an explanation for something that doesn't have like a viable mm-hmm. explanation, I, I would say. Um, and a lot of sci-fi is based on that. And I would say, I would say that this is kind of like trying to, it's trying to use science to overcome uh, the, I guess, limitations of magic. Maybe mm-hmm. is kind of, it's kind of the way that I'm it's, looking it's at It's trying it. to use technology to bring magic to a wider audience. Cause if they're, yeah. just, if they used to just be working magic to try to, to murder a bunch of children on a single Island. Now they're trying to murder children across an entire continent. How do you facilitate that with old school means? Right. You don't let's utilize technology. Right. I kind of see it as a way of magic passing the torch to science fiction or oh, to science okay. is the way I see it. And that's why I feel like it's stronger science fiction than anything because science fiction ends up like science ends up being the winner in the end. You know what mm. I mean? Because it, it takes the power of magic and makes it widespread because of the power of science, I guess is the way I'm kind of looking at it. Does and, it make TV scary? I was scared of, about TV, like since video drum, yeah. but I mean, uh, yeah, so I can't say that definitively Halloween 3 is what made me scared of TV, but I'm, yes, I'm scared of TV, but I don't think it was from this movie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, because a lot of things have tried to make me scared of TV. I haven't watched Videodrome yet, but uh, Poltergeist sure as hell didn't do it. Yeah. And this sure as hell didn't do it. Uh, also, The Ring. F- the the, the Ring didn't yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, 
one missed call tried to make us scared of fucking phone calls, but I already have, I have anxiety. I was already scared of that. <laughs> Psych! Uh, no, I'm scared of phone calls because it's uh, like 90% of the time an automated call at this point, but yeah. I don't know. I think that I would be interested to see, and this, this might be a wrap-up type thing to talk about, but. I would be interesting to see if, like, they they had instead tried to make this movie now or way earlier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Either work with the technology of, let's say, the 50s or work with the technology of now. For whatever reason, it might be a little more interesting because you have a lot more analog technology back in the 50s. How would you spread this weird Celtic demon curse? (laughs) <laughs> to more people. Yeah. Colonel, and then Colonel if you did it Cochran now, it's Elon so Musk. easy. So what? <laughs> Elon Musk. Oh, yeah. A modern version? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. And, I mean, think about how easy it would be now. Yeah. You just make the Silver Shamrock thing a meme, and it gets to seven and a half million people and in then a in day. And then in the 50s, Colonel Cochran is just Howard Hughes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Or it's or they there's so much more elaborate nature to the plan yeah. rather than just I don't know for whatever reason unfortunately they're at this weird point in technology where we where we sit right now isn't that interesting it was probably a lot more interesting yeah. when it came no, out it's interesting because it almost ties up nicely with the idea of fads because here's the thing fads almost all of the time is right place right time yeah and this is wrong place wrong time <laughs> for us <laughs> this, this movie is wrong place wrong time because if it had been later or earlier it might have done a lot better i think so yeah because yeah. like it, i said and we talk about anthologies anthologies yeah. are kind of a fad that's coming in right now it would probably yeah this movie with today's technology the same plot line Probably would be fucking smash hit right now. Well, the anthologies were pretty big in the fifties. Twilight Zone was an anthology, you know. I mean, I think it would have been really. I think it would have done a lot better in the fifties or a lot better now, but not in the eighties. Because <laughs> they wanted new shit in the eighties. They wanted like the newest possible shit in the eighties. And right. this isn't newest possible shit. This is like taking old ass druids and doing some weird and and old ass masks and stuff that's just not fucking coked up and weird. But fuck, I would love to see that now. Yeah. You know, that's decent the of the Man. Witch remake when? But have someone decent do oh. it. Yeah, oh. Yeah, no. Well, it's gonna be Bloomhouse. No, you know it's gonna be Bloomhouse. Ari Aster, please. <laughs> please remake Ari season Aster of the Witch. <laughs> oh my god, Ari Aster, please, please, I'm begging you, remake season of the Witch. <laughs> not, not the person who did Swim Fan or, or Unfriended oh my god, or any what? of those? Yeah, oh god. <laughs> Oh my god, Unfriended was so bad. Those are some of the best modern horror of our times, okay? Or postmodern horror. I didn't maybe? even see Swim Fan, actually. I didn't either. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was fine for the era. Let me put it that way. I'm oh. sure it was fine. But I think we came to a conclusion that we didn't expect to come to on this one that it probably would have done better. If it had been made any other oh, yeah. time, no, but <laughs> than I think, it was. <laughs> but I think that's an interesting observation. I think that's true, though. Yeah, I think that it definitely would have done better if it had been a completely different era than it, it mm-hmm. was released in. But at the same time, I and that's the worst part is I love the aesthetic of the '80s. You know what I mean? Right. I love it. Yeah. I don't know that that many other people now love not, it. You know what not I mean? Since like Stranger Things, sort of '80s nostalgia has taken over our lives but they but they they 
Okay, just a little bit of rant about the way that like Stranger Things and other media <laughs> kind of they clean wash AD technology. I don't know how to say it. They just they take out scan lines. They make you forget that like right. you had to fucking you couldn't just play a VHS right when you popped it in. It was going to either be not rewound or it was going to eat your tape or you're going to have to sit there and do tracking on your VCR for 15 minutes. Or you had to watch the commercials. There was always yeah. commercials in front of the VHS yeah. tape. If there was, if any of these 80s shows that are nostalgic have a beta recorder in it, it never worked. Don't, oh, yeah. don't tell me never any worked. of them were able to watch that. Never worked. Um... Fucking what are rose like, colored glasses? Man. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, all the '80s stuff is rose colored glasses. This gives you a good idea of what '80s technology was like at the time, because yeah. all the technology looks like it sucks. Yeah. And like they, they throw a bunch of electric buttons onto the computers and they stop working. That's that's how the movie ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like everything, everything breaks. Everything breaks almost immediately. Um, God. Okay, rant <laughs> over. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just I'm kind of sick of that retro aesthetic right now and I don't, I didn't think I would be but now I am and it makes me sad cuz I like it but yeah <laughs> So what are what are some of our favorite moments <laughs> the pumpkin head kid can spot <laughs> That is the best it's thing so cool in with all the, the bugs and with all the bugs and I think it make, <laughs> it makes the movie. Like I, I would say so. If yeah. that wasn't in there, this might be forgettable, unfortunately. Uh it there's a lot of stuff to talk about and it's really cool other than that, but if that scene didn't exist, we might not be talking about maybe. it. Maybe. I'll be perfectly I, honest. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? It's the most visceral. It's the most psychological death in the in the film. Um, it's just fucking snakes are scary. That <laughs> plays in a lot of people's like actual fear. Yeah, bugs are scary. That plays in a lot of people's actual fears in a way that a lot of other the other scares or a lot of the other situations in this film don't. Um, I'm gonna actually go out and say that that's also my favorite moment. I would say that there's not a whole lot of other moments in the film that are as good as that one, in my no. opinion. Like, well, as I said before, I, I have to. It's when Mrs. Gutman gets her fucking face blown off. Hell yeah. It's fuck Because, no, I'm that person that sits there and fucking sticks a thing into something that I clearly don't understand. <laughs> and then I'm surprised when I get electrocuted or something. Like, yeah. I'm that person. <laughs> I'm like, man, I'd die so quick in this universe. <laughs> like, so I'm like, that is me. I understand this completely. Yeah. Um, My second favorite is the end. I love that ending. I love that he goes... Doesn't he arrive back at the same filling station that the father did yes. at yes. the very beginning? Yes. I like that it, it has that cyclical nature. It comes back around, and he's there, and he's telling them to take it off the air, and you don't think they are, and then they start doing it, and then he fails, and then the movie ends. It just is a really cool sequence of events, and there's a lot of little stuff that you can miss if you're not like paying attention to it. It's my That's probably my favorite, but like I said, I wanted to just... Shout out to Mrs. Gutman's ruined face because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, final thoughts. Watch this damn movie. If you, ha if you <laughs> haven't seen it, I feel like this is going to be one of the few that we that we've talked about. That it's like this isn't like a this isn't 
a predetermined conclusion that someone's already seen this. Right. You know what I mean? Because this one is easy to miss. It's, it was easy to me for me to miss. And um, it wasn't until a lot of people told me that Halloween 3 that doesn't have Mike Myers in it is good to watch it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's now a cult classic. As it's generally uh, regarded as a cult classic. And a lot of people um, watch it religiously. But a lot there's a lot of people that haven't seen it. Uh, mostly because maybe they think it's bad. Maybe they think it's bad because, yes, it doesn't have Michael Myers in it. But I would say my favorite Halloween movie, for sure. Because it's just... It's so good, like, just as a story by itself is is how I see it. I think it's um, definitely worth the watch. I mean, we say that about, like, every movie we talk about pretty much, but... Well, it's it's an instance of horror actually... You know, sitting down and trying to do something new, which for a while they didn't do. Like, we're getting back to a point where they're trying to do a couple of new things. Like, we talked about with that with It Follows. That was a good one that was trying to do something new. Right. You know, we had an era where they were doing stuff new, then they weren't, then they were again, then they weren't. So this is definitely one. It was kind of in that era when they weren't. But they still tried something new. Right. And like we just talked about, maybe it didn't do as well as it should have because they were in an era when people weren't expecting something new. They were kind of expecting what they have come to expect. They they really wanted more Michael Myers. They really wanted more straight up slashers and not something to... Why? <laughs> He's hardly a character. I mean, he's hardly <laughs> I mean, a character I, at all. Yeah, is... Don't get me wrong. I love Michael as much as the next lad. And I enjoyed Halloween 2018. Fuck you, Isaac. Um, yeah, I know. Jesus Christ. I want more fucking pumpkin mask murdering kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, I think that you never know. Maybe they will adopt the idea of Halloween no. as an anthology. Or maybe <laughs> maybe someone will come up with the idea of a good anthology movie series again. Because I know we have like Black Mirror right now. That's a big uh, anthology series. Then we have the new Twilight Zones coming up. That's yeah. going to be a new big anthology series. Right. Um, American Horror American Story. American Horror Story has been going strong for a really long time now. Fargo. So you can always watch that. Scream kind of did that. Scream, Fargo's Fargo. doing that. Yeah. So oh, definitely there, there's, there's the appetite for it. So maybe not the Halloween series, but maybe someone's going to come out and say, hey, let's let's t- relook what a Halloween or uh, I guess an anthology movie released on Halloween should look like. Yeah. Let's say that. Let's hope so. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we got for this week. And I know that Chrissy's very tired. I'm also tired. I am too. We We're all tired. Capitalism <laughs> make us be the tired. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, but, we all love you, and we will see you next episode. Oh, my God. The next episode is going to be so long. We will have done more research than we did on druids in this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And oh, also, man, it's going to be a little bit intimidated. <laughs> Yeah, because oh, I yeah. have very limited time to do the re- to do research in because of this. That's job. all of us. We'll make it work. And also, we got I it. decided to go to con. <laughs> yeah. Let me just say, and this is how I'm going to close it: we had to read a book again. <laughs> yeah. So we'll leave you with that, and we Be love afraid. you. Be very afraid. Book. Be afraid. Books are hard. <laughs> Books are hard. We love you. Bye. Bye. Goodbye, friends.